Simply by chanting one, of, one holy name of Hari, a sinful man can counteract the reactions to more sins than he is able to commit. Priya Vishnu Purana. Aveshanapi yan nami, kirtite salapatakai, humam vimuchete sadhya, singha traste mrge iva. If one chants the holy name of the Lord even in a helpless condition or without desiring to do so, all the reactions of his sinful life depart, just as when a lion roars, all the small animals flee in fear. The Lord of Purana. Sakrit ucharitanyena hari iti aksharadvayam puda parikarastena mokshaya gamanam kati. By once chanting the holy name of the Lord, which consists of the two syllables hari, one guarantees his path to liberation. Stand up, These are some of the reasons why the Vishnu Dutas objected to the Yamadutas taking Ajahnam to the court of Yamaraj. Mm-hmm. 
Jai Shri Krishna Jaitanya Prabhupada Chananda Shabbatak Radha Shiva Sari Gaur Bhaktivinoda Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama Rama Hare Hare So we are actually hearing about the glories of chanting Hare Krishna in his verse. And the example that's been we've been hearing a lot about the life of Ajahnya, which may be similar to our past lives for some of us who lived very sinful lives. Like Ajahnya was a Kamakanda Brahmana in many ways with a sprinkle of San Vishnu Bhakti as has been explained in previous verses. Um, and it is because of that he named his son Narayan, of course, after getting into an entanglement with a lady of the night. So based on that um, piety, that bit of punya um, and a bit of sukriti, he was able to chant without offense during his final test when he was leaving his body. And the Vishnu Dutas and the Yamadutas were both upon arrival while he was leaving his body and there was a bit of confusion. Um, should he be taken to the court of Yamaraj or should he stay? Or should he uh, go with the Vishnu Dutas? Uh, as it's explained here, he was eligible for liberation because he had chanted the holy name of Narayan without offense. So they are different grades awarded to a living entity during the time of death, of course, based on our actions, based on our activities. So, Prabhupada and the Acharyas have encouraged us to take to the chanting of the Hare Krishna Maha Mantra. And throughout the Bhagavad Gita, of course, Krishna speaks to Arjuna about um, dedicating our lives to service of the world by practicing devotional service, whether it is us offering a leaf, a fruit or flower uh, with love and devotion, Krishna explains that he will accept it, and that whatever actions we are performing in this world, they become purified when we engage in the process of devotional service. And by doing so, we're actually getting rid of um, our karmic footprint from many, many lifetimes. Now we are bound to these material bodies, we have a conditioning because we have been wandering in the cycle of birth and death. Right? There are many ways to describe our journey as conditioned souls. We've been drowning in an ocean of misery, we've been wandering in the cycle of birth and death, we've been under the clutches of Maya, we are bound by the three gunas, we are covered over by Maya Shakti. There's so many elaborate ways we can explain it, but the gist of it is we are bound to matter because we have identified, misidentified um, who we are. So based on this, we take up the process of Shravan Ketan Vishnu Svarna. We chant Hare Krishna, we hear the pastimes of the Lord and we associate with the devotees of the Lord who are always engaged in Harikata. So even listening and um, talking about the pastimes of the Lord is glorifying the Lord, that is Harikirtan. We have our Java, of course, which is how we purify our mind and consciousness so that we're able to engage in more service to the Lord. So the first line of the Prabhupada here, the Shri Prabhupada mentions that the Yamadutas considered only the external situation of the jungle. But externally, it looked like he, he lived such a simple, such a sinful life. And externally, we may be situated um, before coming to Krishna consciousness in very sinful ways. Or we may have been um, engaged in all sorts of intoxications, body identification. Right in the 15th chapter of the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna speaks about the way in which um, the living entity becomes illusioned by the material energy. So it's like we're in a, in a trance 
right? We are fixated on the external, on the material body, that we fail to recognize the uh, living force, the non-material self that's within the body. So we're in a trance-like existence. We have forgotten who we are. We have forgotten um, our dependence on the Lord, even while we're in this material world. So that forgetfulness leads us into a, a spiral or a network of illusion. Like birth after birth, we are born into networks of illusion. I am man, I am woman, I am cisgender, I'm whatever, I'm black, I'm white, I am this occupation, I'm a lawyer, I'm a doctor, etc. We hold these bodily identifications so dear that we move further and further away from our original um, identity, which is we are, we are eternal, we are fundamental parts of the Lord, and we're meant to be connected to Krishna through service. So because of that, we develop this external identity based on the body, based on our association with matter, based on our association and our influence by the three modes of material nature, which includes the mode of goodness. But the goal of life is not to be in Satvagun. The goal of life is to uh, transcend the three modes of material nature and to be situated in that spiritual energy in which our real identity, our spiritual nature is revealed by the mercy of the Lord, that I am spirit soul, part and parcel of Krishna. And that is the beginning, because from that point onwards, we understand the relationships we have with the Lord, we serve the Lord with love and affection. So that when the Bhagavad Gita starts speaking that we are not the body, we are spirit soul, that is just the beginning of spiritual life. And it is true. We have, we may have that ex experience or that understanding, but we also need the knowledge our entire life of understanding what it means to not be the body, what it means to be a spirit soul. Or do we just kind of flap our way through life? Yes, I know I'm not the body, that's great, but we need knowledge to accompany that statement. We need to understand, okay, if I'm not the body, what am I and how do I act? How am I supposed to behave? Am I part of the external energy? Am I part of the internal potency? What am I? So in the um, previous verse, <laughs> so the previous chapter, which I had prepared for, uh, in earlier chapters we heard a lot about how uh, you know the unintelligent persons cannot understand Krishna, what to speak. They cannot understand themselves and how they got into this planet, what to speak of understanding Krishna and how he appears in this planet without having to be influenced by the modes which cannot touch him. Right. So when we, as shown by the lifestyle of Ajahnu, when we engage our body, our senses in irreligious, sinful activities, our body becomes covered over, and we are then. How do you say? Our senses become imprinted with not only ignorance and forgetfulness, but a lust to enjoy that energy. And so the, the, we build up, we, we build up this um, tendency to want to enjoy that which degrades us. So whether it is lusting over different bodies, lusting over different uh, forms of matter, to enjoy and try to bring um, happiness and satisfaction to the mature body, we have all done it. So generally, at least for myself, I used to think that lust just meant for another body. But we can lust for so many things. Lust is not only between man and woman. Lust means we want to enjoy. We want to be the center of enjoyment, whether it is through our activities, um, gross or subtle, name, fame, prestige, that is a form of lust because we are after these material things in their gross or subtle forms to make us feel good, to make us 
feel happy and satisfied. And these lust, anger, greed, these are the things that further pull us down and away from understanding our real identity. And when we're pulled away, when our senses are pulled away from utilizing this human form for what it is meant for, uh, we become degraded in our activities. Right? From our thinking pattern, these activities manifest through the actions of the senses. So we lose all intelligence to actually discriminate, right? The three gates to hell, as we read in Bhagavad Gita. Um, by utilizing our senses in the wrong way, in irreligious ways, we pull ourselves uh, away from understanding who Krishna is. And that's what we saw with the life of Ajahnya. That initially, yes, he was a uh, Kamakanda Brahmana, but through association with um, the lower modes, gradually he started performing activities that were sinful, that were not beneficial for him. You know, he had a nice criminal life, he was performing some religious duties, may not be on the highest platform, but there was some regulation there. But having to associate with someone who was degraded in nature, all good qualities seem to have disappeared. And that is just the power of the potency of Maya Shakti being in this mature energy that very quickly um, our lustful desires snowball to the point where we're unable to see that we have fallen off the wagon, so to speak. That we are driven by our senses. We do not have the power to discriminate anymore what is right and what is not right. So Ajahnel's life shows us that very example that we may come across in life, we may have these experiences and how to bring Krishna back in the center. This verse specifically focuses on chanting the holy name of Hari, chanting the holy name of God. That is the one thing that actually saved Ajahnya from a hellish life. He was now eligible for liberation because he chanted without offense. And we practice everyday chanting of the Hare Krishna mantra. We're practicing a process of devotional service so that when the time comes, when we change bodies, we're able to think of Krishna, remember Krishna, and chant Krishna's name. And by doing so, Krishna, of course, recommends this, that we dedicate an entire life to worshipping Him, to offering our efforts, to offering our service to Him, and by worshipping Him, we will not come back again into this mature world. We will not by then hopefully develop some love, affection, some purity to serving the Lord. And by doing that, we fear ourselves of having to come back into this mature world. So the potency of chanting the holy name, when I used to read it as a new devotee, I'm still in your devotee. I used to think, oh, just by chanting, all my sinful activities for millions of lifetimes will be erased. But Krishna speaks about this over and over again. And as mentioned in these different verses from the Garuda Puranas and the Purana, they are further supporting what Krishna said that if you surrender your life to me, if you chant my holy name, practice chanting Hare Krishna, you will actually annihilate all your karmic reactions from all previous lifetimes. So if we just stick to this process of chanting Hare Krishna, not only do we purify our body, we purify our mind, we actually establish our relationship with the Lord. And it's not a a theoretical thing, it is not just uh, mythological stories that Krishna is there. Krishna has stated that he will um, be at his devotee's side, as we see in the Bhagavad Gita. The Bhagavad Gita is a wonderful example for us to see how Krishna deals with his devotee, who comes to him for advice. When Arjuna was seemingly going through distress based on his, of course, 
the teachable moments of Bhagavad Gita. Arjuna is perplexed about his duties towards his family, which he was fighting against. When material relationships are do not fight against my grandfathers and my cousins, what will happen to the women, to the community, I don't want to enjoy separately. It is so many, the main reasons Arjuna gave for not wanting to take part in the battle. And Krishna listens to Arjuna and then Krishna responds and gives Arjuna advice. This is who you are, this is your identity. He teaches from the basics, you are not the body, your spirit, soul. You live eternally, you cannot be killed. No one actually can be killed because the soul is eternal. But it is the body that just goes through the six bodily changes. You know, we are born, we grow, we stay for some time, we produce some byproducts, and then, you know, time caves in, so we start showing signs of diminishment, and then at some point we vanish, the body vanishes. So all those six changes happen to the material body, but the driver, the soul within the body goes to another destination. So Krishna educates Arjuna and asks, of course, this is all for our benefit. Krishna speaks to Arjuna to guide all of us. This is what you are. All these soldiers, they are, their bodies will be discarded, but they continue. This is a war fought on religious principles, on a holy side. Your duty, your swardharma is to serve the Lord. All of us are parts and parcels of the Lord. And because we are emanating from the Lord, we are best situated under His shelter. As we are nourished when we are connected to Krishna. When we disassociate ourselves with the Lord by choosing to be forgetful, by engaging in um, taxing relationship with the material energy, we forget Krishna. We forget our relationship with Krishna, we forget our entire identity, and like that, we are cast back into repeated birth and death. But Krishna continues in the Gita, explaining the yoga system, explaining what a yogi is, how he walks, how he talks, what kind of topics he engages in, how he relates with people, how he gives in charity, how he lives, how he rises so that we can all understand. And who better gets to engage in a conversation with than Arjuna, who was a family man, an administrator, a satria. We all have duties here, we all have jobs, responsibilities, but I don't think we have as big responsibilities as Arjuna did. Right? We are, we have small view, we're not running the world, we're not emperors of the world, we do not have that responsibility. Yet Arjuna was a devotee of the Lord and he was showing how to reconnect with Krishna by serving uh, the Lord's desires. So after Krishna gave an entire overview of the yoga learner from karma to jnana, explaining the process of bhakti, how to reconnect with Krishna by offering our service through our body and our senses, we use our body in the service of the Lord. We use our eyes to see the deities, to see the devotees, our ears to hear the holy name, hear topics about Krishna. Our body, we bring it to the temple, we keep it clean and pure, we put certain foodstuffs into our body that Krishna has suggested. So we do all these things in relationship with Krishna to show Krishna that we want to be re-established in our relationship with Him. And the bigger thing Krishna mentions um, that we offer homage unto Krishna, we think of Krishna, we chant his holy name, we offer our food to him, and through that process, Krishna says that he will purify us, he will purify our consciousness, he will purify our hearts, and when the time is right, of course, we will remember who we are in relationship to Krishna. So this whole process, Krishna gives to Arjuna in the Bhagavad Gita. And Krishna even explains, yes, 
than many planetary systems, you can go and enjoy the material energy. You can have a great body, you can live for long lifetimes, for many years, but still there is suffering there. Even if you go to the planet of Lord Brahma, you will still have to go through birth and death. That's not what we're aiming for. Of course, we want to go back to the spiritual realm where we will experience no anxiety, where we will experience loving relationship with Krishna and Krishna's devotees. So, Krishna is the source of everything. Even Lord Brahma has explained this in the Brahma Samhita. Krishna is Sarvakarna Karna. Krishna is the Omi Ishvara. We are, we are the servants of that Ishvara. Krishna is the one supreme male. We are all property. We are all meant to be enjoyed by Krishna. Krishna can satisfy all of us because he is omnipotent. But he can please the living entities. So with that in mind, we choose to be in relationship with Krishna. In comparison to the to the drama that the material energy puts us through. Right? Who can we really say you enjoy the material energy without repercussions, without pain, without stress, without disappointment? Who has never been disappointed by the material energy? Just by your show of hands. No? Has material energy ever seen our plans through, like everything has happened perfectly, our body's been perfect, our minds are great, our eyesight came, everything is great. Has it ever been the case? It has never been the case and it will never be the case. Because the material energy is not here to make it easy, it is not here to make it comfortable for us. It is here as a reminder this is a fleeting moment, there's a beginning, middle, and end. Right? We come at a certain time, our bodies do things different times, and the time factor is also there to remind us, you're running out of time. Are you cultivating your Krishna consciousness? Are you cultivating the knowledge and understanding needed to be in relationship with the Lord? So the material energy is not merciful in terms of giving us what we want because if it was, we would never want to leave. We would be too comfortable. And don't get me wrong, you can have some level of fame, some level of wealth, material fame, material wealth, beauty, but that is temporary. It comes and goes. Once you hit a certain age, the gray hairs come, the eyesight fades, our hearing, we can't chew anything and everything, right? We are so limited. Our body itself is so limiting. Now we, we make mistakes, our senses are limited, we can't hear, see properly, we cannot eat unlimitedly, we can try, but there are repercussions that are very negative, right? So we cannot really enjoy the material energy to a full satisfaction. It's not meant to do that and that is not where the living entity that is spirit soul that is not where we get our satisfaction and happiness. We can keep trying to get it. We can keep trying to feed ourselves material pleasures but like I said, there's a beginning, middle and end. And when you get stuck in that rut, as soon as that flavor goes on to the next thing, you try to chew that which has already been chewed. You try to enjoy it in a different way. Okay, maybe I'll go to Ballarat to enjoy differently. And once that's done, oh, I'll go to Queensland to try and do the same thing. Different destination, different palace. And once that flavor is done, oh, I'll come back to Melbourne and do it again. Or maybe I'll go to Europe to do it. So we keep, cha we keep chasing this mirage. 
But the 15th chapter of the Bhagavad Gita explains that this world is a perverted reflection of the reality that awaits us in the spiritual sky. There is happiness, there is love, there is affection, there is fun times to be had. But not in, the, not in this material world. It can happen eternally, incessantly, in the spiritual reality. But here, all we get is fleeting enjoyment with a beginning, middle, and end. And that is frustrating to the living entity. It is utterly frustrating. You try over and over again to enjoy with little results. Right? Psychologists, um, they do these researchers and sociologists that we are more excited and more happy when we envision or the thought of having to go and enjoy something. Like while we're thinking and planning, there's more enjoyment in that than there is when we actually go and enjoy itself. And so the excitement, the fervor, I'm going to the World Cup, I'm going to watch India play cricket or FIFA, football games or the NFL, whatever it is, there's so much excitement and happiness while we're in the interim planning these things and then when you actually do get to enjoy it, it's the enjoyment goal is done in five, ten minutes. That excitement is up then down very quickly. And that is frustrating. Now you get there, everyone's pushing in, you lose your wallet, you lose your phone, someone hits you in the face, you get lost, you don't have your seat. You pay $20,000 and then it's not what you expected. It's over in 10 minutes. You've got to be there for five hours. Right? Frustration. All of that. But when you were planning it, you were just like, Oh my God, this is going to be amazing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see Lionel Messi play a football game. And oh my gosh, I'm going to get the, 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 the cap and the shirt. And I'm going to get an autograph. It will be amazing. You get there, your flight is delayed, you have to pay surcharges, they lost your booking, you can't find your ticket, someone punches you in the face, you're sitting at the wrong place, and it goes wrong, it's raining, you don't even get to enjoy it as much as you thought you would. So the frustration sets in. So you go someone else, somewhere else and try to do the same thing. And then there's a whole presentation waiting for you. So it gets frustrating, and that frustration you can only numb it by going deeper into all forms of intoxication. Cider intoxication, crown intoxication, whatever sort of intoxication, just to numb that disappointment. It's all been done, tried and tested. And so that's it gets frustrating. However, when you step into Krishna consciousness and you expose your senses to a different flavor of enjoyment, it's really the same thing every day. I never used to believe it, but when I was a student, I thought we chant 16 lines every day, worship the deities, distribute books. I'm like, that's it? The same thing? We chant the same mantra every day? for the rest of your life. I thought this is one boring bunch of people. <laughs> and I'm like, I can't do this every day. Like, there's, no, there's not going to be any flavor anyway. I just went along with it every day. It's almost 20 years, it's happening. Right? And it's never the same. It's never the same experience. I don't know if it's just me, but it's never the same experience. Right? And that is true. When Krishna's, you know, Krishna is ever fresh, his name, his form, his qualities, pastimes, it's ever increasing in, in boundless you know, joy and happiness. So every day we're exposing our senses to Krishna's activities, we're chanting the holy name, honoring his prasadam, seeing his devotees, reading and hearing about his pastimes. That purifies the mind and the consciousness and sharpens our intelligence so that we make the right choices. And by doing that, all our entire material body can get purified. 
All nine gates of the body will get illuminated by knowledge. And we, we, have, we may have an experience going through the mature energy as I've explained, the experiences there, the disappointment. But we need knowledge on top of that to understand why that happens and how we cannot get entrapped in that, how we can aspire for something else. It's one thing to understand why you keep hitting your head on the wall over and over and over again. But what are you going to do about it? How are you going to stop that from happening? How are you going to take that energy and plug it into something that will elevate your quality and standard of life? That knowledge is necessary and that's why we have these books. That's why these pastimes are here to understand what then we can do in this material world to make the perfect escape. Get out of the clutches of material existence. Because the material energy cannot be defeated by an insignificant living entity. It is too powerful by ourselves. We need that potency of the superior energy to help us understand Maya Shakti. And once that is understood, once we have that knowledge, we will know how to act. We will know how to engage our entire body and our senses in the service of the world so that when the external energy, it's unavoidable, it is around us, we are in the material world, we'll know how to handle it. We'll know how to deal with the material energy. So in that way, we will not find us in this state of confusion and desperation of not knowing what's going to happen to us at the point of death. Now we practice our entire life, we read, we take Krishna's words and these texts that explain what happens when we engage in chanting the holy name of the Lord with love, with affection. We're not only going for chanting without offense, but we're trying to chant with, with love and affection. We're trying to chant purely. And with that in mind, I will stop here. And I'll ask this in comments or questions. Yes, sir. Oh, this is mine. I always have this question in my mind, and because we have passed some gurus also, and I'm still still looking for the like the answer. When when we know that we are now in this material being all the time, this mind of peace so powerful, mm-hmm. it, it it traps us under its clutches. I want to know, I, I imagine this like a, like a game happening, Krishna and Jivas, all people here. And I want to know when this started, if, if Krishna is when there, started? when this started, when did we, what, what where, where we began from? Why, why, why we came here? Why we came here? What's the purpose? <laughs> Krishna sends us, he's watching, okay, Jab Hari, Hari Mantra. If that he wants from us, then why we are covered up, why we are doing other things? Mm-hmm. Why not everybody is just chanting in, if that's the purpose? Yeah. Okay, so I'm no guru for Big Swami, but I'll try my best. Um, why did Krishna send us here? Krishna didn't send us here. We decided to be here. When See, is, when we, is it we, we decided, it's, it, the explained it as time immemorial, which means the calculation is beyond our mature comprehension. You know how history tells us, oh, human, the first human beings were in Africa five million years ago. Life has existed eternally. So for me to give a mature, like to say it was a hundred million years ago when we decided to come here, it's, it's material time can really quantify when that time was. So the Shastras explained it as since time immemorial, since the beginning of time, and that's not material time, Time functions differently in different places. 
So it has been an extremely long time, beyond our material qualification, how long this dance has been going on of the living entity wanting to be separate from the Lord. Because we have, you have independence, right? You have free will. Can anyone force you to do anything you don't want to do? No. Forced love does not work. Agree? Krishna cannot force us to love him. Do you agree? So, I also used to have that question, why do you send us here, Krishna? Why don't you just make us chant? He cannot force. He cannot force us to love him. In the same way, we cannot force a random, beautiful lady to love you. We cannot force you to love someone else. It has to come from you naturally because you have your free will. If there was force, we'd have a problem. Let's be honest. If we were forced into activities, we'd be like, oh, you know, now God is forcing us to behave like this. It is God who is causing me to not have such a nice job and a nice wife. Right? We need to take responsibility. Although we do not remember, we chose to want to do things separately. Because we have our independence and free will. Just like Krishna is the supreme independent, we have that independence as well. So it's been happening for a very long time and when we choose to come back to Krishna, He will make all the arrangements for us to come back to Him. That's why Krishna leaves so much for us to actually make our step towards Him. There are sadhus that He sends, there are the books that saintly people have written, there are deities, there are so many reminders, there are holy theaters around the world that we can go to to try to remember Krishna and who we are in connection. But he cannot force us to do these things. Because if there was ever force, mm, we don't like that, do we? You cannot do this on Christmas Day, on Diwali, no, no, no. You cannot do like this. You have to do like this. Well, no, no, no. Why are you forcing me to celebrate like this or not do it like this? It's our free will. No one can force us to love. So similarly, Krishna cannot force himself on us. But when we sincerely desire, then the arrangements get made. Then Krishna will put certain things in our lives for us to take the step towards Him. So it's been going on for a very long time. But if you seek Krishna sincerely from within, Krishna is the super soul situated in the heart, Krishna will make the arrangements. There's a nice little analogy that, that helped me understand it. Two birds on a tree, one is enjoying the fruits, the other one is just sitting there, always accompanying us. Right, we're distracted, this fruit, that fruit, yum, yum, yum. And it's that Krishna is always there, he's just waiting for us to turn towards him. Then he will help us with everything. But it is at our it is our doing, it is our responsibility, it is our free will that we use what we need to use. You can either use it to forget Krishna or to try to remember. And some of us are benefited greatly when we grow up in certain parts of the world, i.e. India, where it talks about Krishna, pastimes about Krishna. We start hearing these when you were very young. I'm sure you would have heard Mahabharata when you were a young child. Yeah? You'd gone to the temple on many festivals, Ram Nami, when you were young, yes? Some of us only heard about these things when we were 18. We were late to the game. So at least you've had Krishna in your ear for some time because you grew up in India. So you can take advantage of that and try to learn more about Krishna. And then this whole game of us being here, Krishna being there, it'll stop, you can put an end to it. I hope that helps. Thank you. Krishna wants us to come back to him. Of course. All of ignorance, we have been just our, our own... Uh, we have our own agenda. Uh, we have forgotten. 
we have forgotten the fun the fun to be had with Krishna, the joy to be experienced with Krishna, which is that happy, it's never ending, but we have forgotten that. So the free will they gave us, we are not properly utilizing that free will instead of instead of uh, going to him, serving to him, we are just uh, choosing to serve ourselves. Just fallen in mundane material yeah. And Krishna is kind enough, although that's what we have done, Krishna is kind enough to come and perform pastimes so that we have all these remembrances, places to go to that we can remember. Yes, this is Krishna. Krishna was here. Krishna is kind enough to do all these things, to leave his shastra, to perform his pastimes, to bring his devotees to manifest as a deity form, to give us the holy name. Although we choose to turn our backs away from Krishna, just like a loving parent, and I think except for the kids, we've all been teenagers, you know, parents are boring, oh, they're giving me such a hard time, you know, we've done that whole dance. But parents always want what is best for us. Parents will love you no matter what, even if we choose to be, to act nonsensically. Parents don't want us to suffer, but they cannot force us to behave a certain way. That has to come from us, but they're always there. Krishna's always there waiting. Always. So he's very kind. He's manifested all of this to help you remember your relationship with him. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. It's, it's okay. <laughs> okay. So, as from the other point of view, I want to ask, acquiring things under the name of utility, is it a sign of illness? Or how do we, how do we catch ourselves? Like, you know, as we practice Krishna consciousness, Sincerely to tell, okay, maybe I'm over endeavoring here. 
Because if we're not reading, sometimes you do not know what open endeavor is. We'll think, yes, I'm, I'm doing this marathon, I'm not reading, I'm not chanting, I'm just doing it because Krishna wants it. Things need to be done, but hang on, we need to balance. If you're reading the books, we'll understand that you know, reading and chanting comes first, yes, and then you can your health and your service. And if you check with the senior Vaishnavas around you, take guidance on certain matters, then they can also help. That's how we can know if we're on course or we start slacking off in different areas. So do you have someone that we may ask advice for when it comes to our bodies and to make sure that we're reading? That would be my advice. Question. Yes, so, Hare Krishna, Mataji. Mataji, uh, my question was like, when we come to this material world, why does Krishna create the Maya? So, like, that kind of stops us from coming back. There are also distractions on the path of bhakti when we try to come back to it. Mm-hmm. So, why does Krishna put Maya there? Like, as a distraction. As a distraction. Well, Maya is there to actually make sure, you know, this material world has to operate because there's so many living entities here so a place had to be constructed so that was her job but at the same time although it is her job to create using the modes of virtual nature the different elements we are all here in the mature world trying to remember Krishna so simultaneously we're here out of our own doing we've misused our free will we're forgetting Krishna so there's a special energy that we, we function under that's Maya Shakti. But at the same time, that same Maya Shakti can help us move towards Krishna. Right? We understand this is not to be enjoyed, this is not comfortable. Being in the material world, it's not the best place for me. So experiencing this energy pushes us towards Krishna. At least for some of us, that's how we came. We were frustrated in the material energy. We know that it is not the best pleasure to be had. Therefore, we look towards Krishna's internal pleasure potency. So although the material energy, it makes us suffer, it, it teaches us a lot about what the material world is, who we are, and it pushes us towards Krishna. So it's not a punishment. It can be used as a catalyst, something that pushes us quicker towards Krishna. So there's hope. Hi, Krishna. Thank you for the class. Um, my question is that you said that this material world is very frustrating, but when you see me, I'm in the temple of my skates and I'm not the shadows, and then you think, why do you want to come to the material world and just stay in the material world? Uh, so you're saying we're in the mature we're in the, I, I mentioned that we're in the mature world and it's very frustrating. But when we come to the temple, there's kirtan, there's prasadam, it's amazing. Why would I wanna leave? Because when we're in here, this is not the material world. This is an expansion of Krishna's pastime. This is all spiritual energy. So we're in the spiritual world. Prabhupada used to explain that our temples are like a spiritual oasis. It's a place where devotees can come and just get nourished and energized and filled with so much spiritual potency so we can go out and share Krishna with others. So while we're here, we're doing the same thing that happens in the spiritual world. Dancing, feasting, chanting, playing, Right, hearing about Krishna, seeing Krishna, glorifying Krishna, engaging in Krishna's pastime. That's why when we're in the temple, it doesn't really feel like we're in the mature world because it's Krishna in with, it's extremely Krishna conscious. So yes, we want this all the time. So this is the spiritual world within the material world. That's why you don't want to leave. Because the soul is happy in its natural environment. Thank you. Sure. How do you find the best guru? Huh. How do you find? The best guru. The best guru. Well, 
I am no sage, but um, you find the best guru. I don't know how to answer this question. I would say we start for us our current guru, Shiva Prabhupada, of course, and those that follow Shiva Prabhupada's instructions. They are the best. Those who take Prabhupada's instructions, who follow them and who try to increase the spiritual consciousness to the conditioned soul of this Kalyuga, they are the best gurus. So following the instructions of Shri Prabhupada, which means the entire Parampara, taking what they have given in the books and sharing it with the world, those are the best. I had a first question in relation to my other one that um, sometimes when like Maya is a part of Bhakti, she can't just like deviate so that we like suffer and we know like that's not the way and then we come back to Bhakti. Mm-hmm. But like sometimes when we are in the part of Bhakti and Maya does that, like people fully get deviated from Bhakti and just follow that part sometimes. So, so the question, why is it that people who they can come to bhakti and then deviate from the path altogether? Yeah, like when Maya tries to like test us and tell us that this place suffering has been to go Krishna, some people in that test, they just leave bhakti and they go back to the beautiful. Mm. Yes, that happens a lot. I know it has happened to many people. So what happens in that place? What happens is, um, Different situations, sometimes they fall into that association, they start engaging their body in uh, non-Krishna conscious activities, so they forget the taste and the pleasure derived from the process of practicing Krishna consciousness. So then they, the living entity is always seeking pleasure, right? So by nature it will want some other type of pleasure and they go back to the material energy to try and seek that pleasure. So that's what happens. They lose, they get into bad association or they commit offenses, they lose their faith. Um, and because of that, they seek out another type of pleasure, unfortunately. But whatever Krishna consciousness they've done is there forever. Sometimes later on in their life, they will come back to Krishna consciousness in their own way. Well, that's why Prabhupada was very emphatic in explaining that the material energy is very powerful and that it is important that devotees take association of one another and try to follow the principles as best as they can because when we don't do that, the material energy starts looking very attractive. So the key is to always try to stay close to the process of bhakti in the association of devotees. Because if we don't have that, we'll need, we need association, we need to taste some form of pleasure. We will look for it elsewhere. Alright, thank you, John. Yes, Thank you. I wanted to ask this question. It came in my mind like a couple of months back and I couldn't get the answer from one of my those. In the battlefield, Arjuna asked Krishna, whatever you saying, he was asking Krishna. He, um, he was having two minds at, in the in the battlefield. Mm-hmm. He wanted to follow the Krishna's instructions but at the same time, he wasn't sure that Krishna is the pure consciousness. He was having it. He was having two minds: a questionable mind and the other mind. That when Krishna showed him his viraguru, then he was uh, able to uh, convince. Then he was convinced. And I. I had the same question asked like my guru last time then was in this material age. Of course we already have seen the consequences of Maya material Shakti, we are all covered in material Shakti. The only way to overcome this because this place is not a happy place, that's for sure. The material realm is not a happy place unless one has 
unless we experience this spiritual happiness that that is way beyond that that has no match. So my question is, and at that yoga at that time, Krishna had to show his miracle to Arjuna so that he can become his. How do people who are not in Krishna consciousness how how do they get the means? Many ways. Um, in that section where Arjuna had his five reasons why he didn't want to take part in the war, and leading up to Krishna revealing his Virarupa, of course, in the purpose, Prabhupada explains that you know the Pandavas they had been around Krishna. Krishna was their friend, um, and Krishna didn't really want them to see. Didn't want them to see him as the supreme lord, but deep down inside they knew that their cousin was the supreme lord. For the purpose of past time, yes, Arjuna seemingly looked discouraged to take part in the fight. Out of compassion, out of the soldiers' wives would be without husbands, what would happen to family tradition. He didn't want to enjoy the kingdom after this war. He didn't think he would be able to enjoy it because his and half his family would be obliterated. So that was, those were the main reasons why Arjuna didn't want to take part in the battle of Kurukshetra, and that's why he said to Krishna, "My, I am, you know, his bow started quivering, his knees started shaking, and he collapsed, and he said, I cannot fight. Then Krishna started speaking in the Bhagavad Gita. And that happened not because he doubted who, Krish, who Krishna is, it wasn't because he, he needed to be convinced that Krishna is the Supreme. Leading to the Virat Rupa, Krishna was talking about in the age of Kali, there will come so many people who will claim to be the Supreme Lord. So many people will come and say, I am Vishnu. I am God. Right? And Krishna then showed his Virat Rupa that if anyone claims to be anything, can they show you the universal form? And Krishna also did that to show that I am in control of everything, I, I am time. And all these warriors, they will be killed by me. So when he revealed his Virarupa form, Arjuna could see everything. Creation, annihilation, everything was happening. Right? And after that, Arjuna said, okay, can you please show me your forehanded, your Vishnu form and finally your two-handed form. That's what Arjuna wanted to see. But it wasn't because he doubted that Krishna is supreme. It was to sh- further in the future dissipate the nonsensical people who would come and say that they are Vishnu. Can they show a universal form? I'm showing you this is what I do with my material creation. This is my material manifestation. Right? So it wasn't because Arjuna didn't um, accept or doubt that Krishna was supreme. So that's point one. Point two, many of us didn't know Krishna. I'll use myself as an example. I knew nothing about Krishna. I, I, I came to know about Krishna from Prasadam. You know, Prasadam does things to people that philosophy will not. Sometimes philosophy for people is, oof, it's too high. So through Prasadam, people get purified and they develop a taste for Krishna. I know it sounds like, oh, it's just food. But no, it's Krishna Prasadam. You develop a taste for wanting Krishna Prasadam. I have, when I got married here, and when I went back home to visit my family, I brought Prasadam. I changed to Maharaj and made these amazing sweets. She calls them cloud lines. Prasadam, I offered it to my family. They were finished within 20 minutes. To this day, 11 years ago, they still talk about them. They say they can still taste them. The pokoras they have for breakfast and the halva, they can still taste them. They still talk about them. That is their remembrance, that is their fond memory of coming to a Krishna temple, the food. Right? For some people, prasanam will purify them and it will make them think about Krishna. For some people, it is the kirtan. Some people just love nothing but kirtan. They can be engaged in so many activities, but when they hear kirtan, they can sit and just chant. They love chanting Krishna's name. And after some time, that will purify them. 
then they want to learn more about Krishna. Some people just like reading, they want to learn. They want to learn about Krishna. Some people like the beauty of temples. They just come to the temple to look at the deities. And after having that purification, having a friend here and there, they get cultivated, they learn more about Krishna. That's how I ended up here. I liked Prasadam. There was a yoga class in the university. I started going. Yoga, Prasadam, talks started happening. Gurus would come and give talks. I'd go to the temple. So all these different aspects of Krishna, different ways mercy has come, led me to learn about Krishna. And it happens like that for many people who know nothing about temples or Krishna or deities. So through the prasadam, through kirtan, people become attracted to Krishna. Through the arts, people can become attracted to Krishna. Cooking classes, people like to learn how to cook. They go to the restaurants, do you guys do cooking classes? I have a friend who came to Krishna Consciousness because she went to an Ayurveda cooking class in America. Then she came here and then she moved to New Zealand. So it's possible. Through the bhakti arts, the more we share and showcase the bhakti arts like we have at the Rajvi Yatras or different functions, then people start appreciating and learning about Krishna in the art forms, kirtan, cooking, philosophy, like that. Thank you. Okay, thank you very much. Grandfather Shinabhadatan Kita.